Good morning. Welcome to Church at Briargate. My name is Trisha. I'm the Women's Ministry Director here. I'm always glad to see your faces. I want you to know that you are prayed for. If you are here this morning, you have been prayed for. If this is your first time here, you have been prayed for. If you are part of this family and for a long time, you have been prayed for. That's what we like to do here. We like to pray for our family. And so if you ever have prayer requests that you want lifted up, please fill out on the back of this Connect card, and we will be sure to pray with you and for you. If this is your first time and you'd like more information or you'd like to get connected, that's what this card is for also. You can fill that out and drop it in the offering plates as they come by here in just a little bit. I wanted to tell you about a couple of things. Uh, We have these cool red shirts, Relationships, Evangelism, and Discipleship. These t-shirts aren't just to look pretty out there on the cafe counter. These are so that you can help support missions. So if you want an easy, affordable way to help support missions and you want to look cool while you're doing it, you can pick up one of these t-shirts. All the proceeds go to missions. Then another thing I want to tell you about is the Together Women's Day Retreat. You only have two more weeks to sign up, okay? So if you've been thinking about it, don't put it off. You can grab one of these on the info counter, and you can fill it out. Drop it in the little basket out by the church office. We'll be sure to get you registered. If you have any questions, you can let me know. I tend to know what's going on with the women's events, so I can answer questions for you. We're going to be talking about friendship, but it's a really hands-on, kind of a different approach. So if you've been thinking about it, get signed up. All right, we're going to pray over this morning's tithes and offerings. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we have the chance to give back to you in our worship. We have the chance to give back to you with our time. We have the chance to give back to you with our finances. Lord, we know that it's all from you in the first place and for you. Lord, we pray that you will take these tithes and offerings, that you will bless them, that you'll further them for your kingdom. Lord, I pray that the word that goes forth this morning would be your words, and that we would be ready to hear and to respond to you. Lord, we love you, and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and watch the screens. There's some more info. Welcome to Church at Friday. We are glad that you are spending your Sunday morning with us. If this is your first time, please fill out a connect card found in the back of the seats and drop it in the offering plate or put it in the basket outside of the church office. Let me tell you about some events coming up. The next journey is tonight at 5 at Pastor Scott's and Linda's home. Dinner is provided. This is a requirement for membership at Church at Briargate. Let Pastor Scott or Linda know that if you will be there. The ladies' luncheon is this Tuesday from noon to 1.30 in the foyer. Lunch is free. Men's Grillers is this Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. at Pastor Scott's house. The youth hangout is this Saturday from 6 to 8 p.m. The girls will be at the Jans' house and the boys will be at the Blevins' house. This is for students in 6th to 12th grade. We are a missions-focused church. Our missions theme for the entire year of 2019 is red, relationships, evangelism, discipleship. Purchase coffee and a red t-shirt from the Mission Cafe. Please note, we will no longer offer free coffee in the lobby on the coffee kiosk. Please donate for your coffee. 
All proceeds made from the Mission Cafe and the t-shirt sales will go to support missions. Thanks again for worshiping with us today. For more information about these and other church events and ministries, be sure to visit our website, churchatbriargate.org. You can also stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and YouVersion. Adios! I'm excited to invite you to the annual Women at Briargate Day Retreat. This year, we will be having our retreat at the beautiful Franciscan Retreat Center on Saturday, February 23rd from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. The cost will be just $45, which will include a light breakfast, a hot lunch, and more. Our retreat this year is titled Together, and I will be sharing on the theme of friendship, and we will be hearing stories from other women in our congregation about what God is doing in and through their lives. For more information, Pick up a flyer in the foyer, watch your email, or go to churchatbriargate.org. I look forward to having you join us at Together, the Women at Briargate 2019 Day Retreat. Everybody looks lovely today. So, uh... So we have, um, we have, what was I saying? We have uh, the Women's Retreat, the Women's Day Retreat coming up. We also have the Men's Rally this Friday night. Um, guys, this is designed specifically for you to bring guys with you. That, that's the purpose of this. We had uh, General Fuller coming in to speak. And the, uh, the goal, I mean, he, this guy's a real deal. The goal is to get guys from your work, to get guys in your neighborhood and, and bring them and, and let them connect and do that kind of thing. So a lot of food, a lot of stuff going to happen with that. Uh, so ladies, guys, both, you've got some things coming up that can be very beneficial to you. I want to push you to do that. So I wanted to mention a little bit about uh, this last weekend. We had our missions weekend. We had a missions banquet. A banquet went amazingly wonderful. Lynn and I were not here for first service last week. We've been driving from Texas all night, and we got here, came to second service. About halfway through second service, we got here, and uh, Steve Pike was speaking from our urban islands, talking about planting churches throughout uh, uh, metropolitan cities. Then, then uh, last Sunday evening, we had our banquet here, and it's, it's hands down best banquet that we've had since I've been here. It was just great. It was, it was, it was uh, very connecting, very powerful, a lot of different missionaries from doing different things, and uh, the food was great. Sergio, I didn't see if Sergio was here. Sergio cooked the dinner for us. Wow. Um, it was, that was the best. That was worth just that. If you just didn't even know that there was missionaries, it was that. But uh, don't tell the missionaries I said that. So uh, we, are, we are continuing with, the, uh, with uh, what, what the missionaries are doing. So I want to read down through some of the things that they talked about at the banquet and this is remembering red relationship evangelism discipleship and yes we are not going to be giving free coffee away that, that we've done forever i know this is threatening my job security here i get that this is a bold move i'm stepping out and trying this but uh but the reason is we just want you to give you an opportunity to contribute to missions um uh and coerce you to do that so uh dollar or two or something like that for a cup of coffee and then you get to contribute to missions and you get um something that will keep you awake during the message. So the missionaries that we had here, uh, the first one, I'm not going to mention the names. I think w- one of their pictures will be up here in a second. But uh, they are to a very sensitive country. We are videoing this, so I'm not going to mention their names. But uh, they are needing, uh, all of these missionaries are needing prayer. They're all needing finances. So I'm just going over some of this stuff. They're needing $90,000 to start a school. 
in a very strong uh, Muslim country. Uh, the next missionary is Janie Weed. She plants um, uh, Latin churches throughout the United States, Hispanic-speaking uh, churches throughout the United States, and they need um, some finances to help purchase some buildings, and they need planters. Uh, the Blessings, they are to South Africa. They're needing some staff, uh, some more staff to help them, and they're also needing, um, this is one of the more unique things we heard at the banquet, they're needing um, uh, feminine products for girls, uh, teenagers into early adulthood, and they explained all the difficulties of trying to get out and do things in society and stuff without that, and that's a, this is literally a luxury in that country, and, uh, and so that's uh, their need. Forrest is to Youth Alive, and he needs uh, $12,000 to underwrite a 30-day journal. Um, the Schultz are to northern India, and they're needing $7,000 um, for um, to help in development and training of leaders to work in the national church. Uh, Tressa and Sharik are Chi Alpha, and they, they're getting a little bit of pushback. They're right here in Colorado Springs. They're getting a little bit of pushback from the university, and it's, it's um, uh, you know, you can take the gospel almost anywhere on the planet, but you can't take it to our own schools. But they also are trying to figure out how to get a Chi Alpha house to buy something that they can do that. And then we also heard at the banquet and we prayed for, Tressa's mother was diagnosed with um, cancer in stage four, and she's given about six months to live. And uh, Tressa's got two little babies, and obviously this is, this is um, a challenge. And uh, so continue to pray for her with this too. Uh, Stephen Sherry, as I was uh, mentioned, they spoke last week. They are trying to start 24 more neighborhood leaders uh, developing leaders in neighborhoods across the United States, and it takes about $200 a month for each leader to, to develop them. And then our own uh, church in India that you've been hearing about so much lately is um, we need about ten dollars to $15,000 for the top floor. Uh, everything else, I was going to show some pictures, but I'm already going long today, but we, 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 we'll show some pictures over the next couple of weeks. They've got the backfield, they've got the fence, it's just looking really good. We, we need about ten to 15000 more for the top floor. And then our two pastors, Santosh, you know, he had his little baby. The baby is, uh, was struggling physically. He's doing better. He's coming back to Ramper Hut um, this week. And we're trying to get Ruby and the baby there. But not only are we dealing with some of the physical struggles that come along with, um, with the Vaj, but also uh, the cultural things. Uh, his wife is living with his mother and his mother likes having her around because she's now like does everything because that's what you do in that culture and she doesn't want her to leave. And so we're trying to convince Santos that you need to tell your mother she has to come with you because you're married. So the other side of this is Jesse, our other pastor. He is um, getting closer. His, his, he's getting married in April. Um, his parents are arranging this marriage. He doesn't know her, doesn't know anything about her, doesn't know what she looks like, doesn't know her name, all this kind of stuff. And I just asked him this last week. I said, you see, are you a little bit nervous about this? And he just started kind of laughing, crying, yes, I'm very nervous. So I, I told him we'd be praying for him. I know this is a cultural thing that they're a lot more comfortable with, okay? It freaks me out. It, it literally freaks me out. I, I keep asking him, you don't, you've never even seen her. You don't know who she is. Nope. Maybe by next month I'll know who she is. And you're marrying her in April. Uh-huh. The date's already set. Okay. So, so I told him I'd mention that. Uh, something else, Assemblies of God World Missions is where we give a lot of our missions to and through. That's where most of our missionaries come from. 
Uh, we just got a letter this week from AGWM that says, that in the existence of Church of Briargate, which is about 16, 17 years, uh, we've given over a million dollars to missions. <clears throat> that's, um, that's a pretty big deal by itself, okay? But here's the other side of it, is two of the missions uh, groups that I just mentioned are not Assemblies of God, and that's what just for Sunday night. We support about, uh, I would say around, I'm guessing here, but around 30% of missions that we support on a regular basis are not AGW missionaries, okay? We, we, we don't, this does, number doesn't include like missions trips and things like that. It doesn't include the 70000 we gave to the clinic, stuff like that. So we've given a whole lot more than a million. That's amazing to me that a church our size would do that. And the fact that we're, the average, if you average that out to about 60000 a year, we're giving a lot more than that right now uh, to missions as it stands. So that's, that's pretty cool that, uh, that we could be doing that. And how about the next million we do in the next eight to ten years? Wouldn't that be better? Wouldn't that be cooler? So just pretty excited about that. So uh, turn with me to Mark chapter 12. Oh, I did want to mention one more thing. My son sent me a, um, a, uh, a picture to put on my office wall. I thought I'd share it with you guys. Let's set that right there. Um, it says, I love my Papa Squat. I, you know, I, I mentioned this a few months ago. Well, I guess it was longer. She's eight months old now. That I was telling my son and, and daughter-in-law that I was going to, uh, my name was going to be Papa Squat. Because Scott is hard to say. So, <laughs> so, I was getting a lot of pushback from everybody in my family. Except my daughter-in-law. She was like, eh, whatever, I guess. I think she was just being polite. But uh, no, everybody was saying her family... My family, I was saying that's a dumb name, dumb name. So, guys, let me give you a little help. When it comes to parenting, when it comes to being a husband, all these other kind of things, let me give you a little insight. You dig your heels in, and you stay with it, and you wear them down. <laughs> so, Mark chapter 12, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to like, the, this is like part two. This is part two of, of what we talked about two weeks ago, and then last month was missions, which is a major part of who we are. Obviously, it's always going to be uh, two weeks ago, it was kind of the who we, who we are 2019, the state of the church address. This is part two of that, and I want to get a little bit more detailed with a lot of this stuff today and, uh, and, and try to look at um, what we're going to be doing, where we're going to be going, some of those kind of things. Here, here are some basic things that I know and that I hope that every one of you here would acknowledge this or know this or um, um, internalize this, is that God really did create you for a lot more than whatever you're doing right now. God has given you abilities and talents. He's given you um, a uniqueness to you that is, that is ext- extremely that. That's, even to use the term unique, I don't think captures it. You are on, you're the only one that is you. And he's given you the ability to connect and reach people and minister and do things that nobody else can do exactly like, uh, like you can. Um, there's, there's things that he's got planned that if he, would sh- if he showed you right now, in fact, there's a, uh, there's a scripture in Habakkuk. It's actually used in a negative context. I'm using a positive context. But there's scripture that says if God, that God is not, will not tell you what he's going to do because if he told you, you wouldn't even believe it. That's Habakkuk 1.5, I think, is what that is. But it's, it's, 
It's amazing how big God is and how amazing he has created us. It's a, it's a supernatural thing. He, he designs us, he creates us. And so with that in, in mind and knowing that God has a plan for us, he's got a call in your life, he wants you to do things in your workplace, in your neighborhood, all this kind of stuff. This is, this is the foundation for all that we're talking about two weeks ago, this week, and over the next couple weeks when we're looking at some of these things. In Mark chapter 12, verse 28, obviously we go to this. This is, this is our starting point with anything when it comes to, in fact, these are the, this is basically the most important uh, few scriptures in all the Bible. How do I know that? Because it says at the end of these uh, two ideas, at the end of these two commandments, at the end of these two philosophies of Christian living, it says everything else in the Bible hangs on these two. So that has to mean that these two are the most important thing in the entire Bible, right? So he says, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the, to the debate and he realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, I've, I've looked at this. If you go to the uh, other Gospels, it, it really doesn't change this too much. I've really questioned this because I don't know. Is this guy being um, smart aleck? Is he trying to capture Jesus here? Because we do see in places in the New Testament where it says they were trying to trap Jesus, right? So is he trying to trap Jesus? I don't know. I don't know. Is he, is he sincere? It's hard to say, but we do know that what Jesus does when he answers the question is he, he, he frames the entire Bible. He frames his entire existence for coming to the earth, and he frames every single question this guy could ever ask. He frames it with this, these few sentences. Pretty powerful little moment right here. And so Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, it's the way you feel, all your soul, that's your spirituality, your spiritual walk, your, your I don't like this term because I don't think it says the same thing, but it, it'll help us understand. Your, your, this is your religiousness, right? Um, that, to me, that's a bad term, it's not a good term, but so all your heart, the way you feel, all your soul, the, your spiritualness, all of your mind, the way you think your worldview, the way you process information, and then with all your strength, which is the physicalness of who you are. Putting your hands to things, doing stuff, with all your strength, with all your life, your physicalness. Okay, That would be the same thing as it, when you go to work, you're using your strength. And it, may, it may be mental strength, it may be physical strength, but this is the physicality of who you are, your life. And he says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So we've got the foundation that he lays that you're, that, that you're supposed to love God with everything. And then he says, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And I believe if you, if you don't put the foundation right, you don't keep these closely associated, but it hinders both of them. If you don't love God with everything about you, it's, it's very difficult to love humanity in a God-transcendent way rather than loving it in a human existence way. Okay? We, we naturally love in a, in a human way, hum, very humanistically. We expect a return. We expect some kind of feeling return or relational return or something. There, there needs to be a, a return at some particular level. If nothing else, it's just the way we live, uh, just the way we feel, just whatever. So transcendently is loving them to Christ. It's loving them with no expectation of return. And Jesus gave us the example of that when he died on the cross. He was not getting a return. He was being brutally murdered. That's not a good return. But he is loving the people that are murdering him and using what they actually do to murder him as the way that he saves them. He actually uses that to save them. That's transcendent love. That's love with no expectation of, love, of return. That's love beyond humanness. Now, our goal is to, to, 
is to uh, uh, chase after that in our relationship with Jesus. And that's very difficult because we're human beings. For us to love transcendently, we have to love God with everything. We have to pursue God with everything in order to lay the foundation spiritually that gives us the ability to love people transcendently. I don't think humans do that without God at all. Okay? I, think people, I think humans love, but I don't think humans love transcendently without God, without the Holy Spirit enabling, helping this to happen. So, Church of Briargate exists. <clears throat> Her mission statement, to enable people under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to supernaturally draw, draw close to Jesus Christ and to bring as many others along as possible. And we've encapsulated this to our, um, to our tagline, which is pursuing God and reaching people. This is what I talked about two weeks ago. We're, we're going to pursue God and we're going to reach people. That's, that's the plan. We've got to pursue God with everything about us, the way we feel, our, our spirituality, the way we think, and with our physical lives. We've got to pursue God. And then we've got to love other people, and that's the reaching other people. Well, how do, we, how do we love people the same way we would love ourselves? And so this is a nice, you can, go, you can just build a scale of different ways down this, but the most important thing, the, the most important actual real need that every single human being has, it is the number one most important, is to be made right with God. Okay? Now, that's a tricky thing to, to say in society because a lot of society doesn't necessarily believe in God and they don't believe that statement. So the actual, and this is, this is real, the most important thing that God has designed for humanity, the actual most important real need, not felt need, but real need, is to be made right with God. And there's many people that don't even believe that that's a reality. That's a scary thing. It's more important than um, breathing air, drinking water, and eating food. Those are also real needs, but those are not as important as being made right with God, being made right in relationship with God. And so those are real needs. Uh, we, we're going to try to figure out how as a church to get people uh, closer in that context of the real needs and then also uh, felt needs. There's some legitimate felt needs, relationship, connection, all those kind of things that go along with that. And so we have where Jesus says to us, love God with everything, love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to pursue God and we're going to reach people with everything about us. Now, two weeks ago, I went over these things. This year, we will pursue God, three basic ways. The presence of God, the will of God, and the power of God. And we're going to do that within every single thing that we do as a church. That's going to be our desire. The presence of God, take, take a service, church service. We want to pursue the presence of God, the will of God, and the power of God in every single church service. Now, most of the time, we would go, okay, that, that makes sense. But, but, this is not the only place. This is just one of the many places that you are interacting with. And, and these other places, you need to be doing the same thing. At work, you need to be pursuing the presence of God. You need to have God with you, in you, working through you in your workplace. The presence of God, the will of God, what he's got planned for you and what he's got planned for the people around you. How can you help connect or contribute to that in, in any way whatsoever, maybe bring revelation or whatever the case is too. And then the, the power of God, that we believe that God is a supernatural miracle-working God and that we want to pursue the power of God in all of these arenas too. Okay? Everything that we're doing as a church, we want to pursue the power of God in those, in those settings. So this is obviously the foundation for the other part of this. For us to pursue God, we have to be pursuing God properly for us to reach people. You can't, this, this is one of the things that, that if you get unbalanced, it hurts. And, and, and there are times when churches can do this. In fact, it's very simple to do. If you stop pursuing God, then you will not have, uh, you will not be reaching people the way you need to. You will not be reaching people in the right way or the healthy way. 
This is, this is one of the things I pick on this regularly. I will always pick on this. We are not trying to grow church at Briargate. That's not our plan. That's never going to be our plan. That's not part of our mission. It's not there. We don't have a church growth plan. What we're trying to do is pursue God with everything about us and reach people for God, for the kingdom of God. Now, in that process, we want people to um, be a part of church at Briargate. The people that we're reaching, we want them to come here, but not all of them will. That's just a reality. They just won't. Here's some basic things to process. Just my personality alone will keep some people from coming to church here. And I know some of you are like, that doesn't sound right. (laughs) But it's true. Here's another thing that I have found. If some of the people that come here sit next to you, they probably won't come back. So you put those two things together, and we're struggling, right? But that's just a reality, guys. It's not a bad thing. I'm making a joke about it, but it's not a bad thing. Not everybody is going to connect with every single church. Churches are very vastly different. Okay? So our goal is what? To build the kingdom of God, not build church at Briargate. We want to build God's kingdom. We want people to know Jesus. And then they can make up the decision of their, their mind of where they want to go, what they want to do, or what kind of style of church, or what, whatever the case is. They can figure that out. Now, do we want them to come here? Sure. Sure. And we're going to try to provide things that will make it uh, comfortable, easy for people to do that. All right? But at the same time, our goal is to pursue God with everything about us and to reach people for God. All right? Not reach people for church at Bergen. All right? So in the process of that, this is, these are the, this is the next step. The first thing is we're going to pursue God, uh, presence of God, will of God, power of God. And then the, sex, the second part is that we will reach people. These are the, I'm going to put some of the things in. I mentioned these last week. Taking the gospel to our communities, helping people find their personal direction in God, and enabling people to journey with others toward the Lord. I'm going to break those down a little bit. The first one, taking the gospel to our communities. We're going to provide some ways to do that more this year than we ever have before. And we've got, we've got some very intentional strategic plans already, but we're going to do two things in the near future that will help you engage in this on a, on a very core personal level. The first is on um, February 6th, Wednesday night, we're going to have an all-church vision um, casting meeting. We're going to talk about vision. We're going to talk about what God's doing. We're going to talk about um, the things that we have already developed and designed, either coming from myself or the board, uh, pastors and board. And we're going to we're going to lay a plan out for the church that says this is where we're going. This is how we're doing it. And it's basically some of this, but with a lot more details. Okay, the actual things. So far, this is theory. When I get up and say we should tell people about Jesus, that's theory. When you actually do it, that's actual implementation. Okay, so. So when, when I'm talking about the, the Jesus wants us to reach people, we're going to be a church pursuing God. Reach, those are all theoretical. Those are all, they're not, they're not built with an initiative. They're not built with an actual thing, and we're going to help put actual things to it. And on February 6th, we're going to have the all-church vision casting. We're going to discuss it. We want you to bring ideas to the table. Okay? We're going to lay out a lot of the, the criteria, the, the direction, all this stuff, and then we're just going to have ideas, and we want you to contribute to this. We're going to contribute how... How we're going to do some of these things. We've got some categories, uh, some things under where we want you to contribute. Then on February 17th, the Sunday week following after that, will be the time when we put all of the plan together from what we have, what everybody's contributed, and then we're going to present this to the church as these are the direction. These are the actual detailed things that we're going to do this year. And some of them will involve uh, all the church. Some will be different groups. Some will be individual. But all of it comes down to one basic thing. You have to make a personal decision 
of what you're going to do and how God is going to lead you and how you're going to um, start something or pray for somebody or, or connect or do something. You're going to have to make the decision. It's what I talked about a couple weeks ago from the conversation that um, uh, Ian and I had. There was a group of guys at my house. We were having a grillers, and, uh, which we're doing again this Thursday. We're going to pray for the men's rally for Friday. And um, we were sitting around talking about this, and, and we were talking about accountability and, and um, prayer partners, things like that for the men. And, and one of the guys, I, I said this first service, but I think it was Ian that said uh, something about, well, this is a very important thing. We've got to do this. I need to do this. Um, how do we do it? Let's talk about this more. You should be talking about this more as a pastor. And part of me is always like, I talk about this stuff all the time. So here's where it comes down to, and this is the conversation Ian and I had. I think, um, well, there's three or four other guys there. We were talking about, and this is what we were talking about, is you got to make the decision. You have to make the decision. You can hear about something forever, over and over and over, but you've got to make a decision. This is one of the proofs I've seen of this over the years. I grew up in church. I went to Sunday schools. I've been a part of small groups. I've been part of, well, we have life groups here. Many of you have done some of this stuff for years and years and years. Does it translate into somebody getting saved? The answer to that is no, unless you make it. You can go to classes for years. You can hear the story of David and Goliath 70 bazillion times. But until somehow that translates into you speaking to somebody about the Lord, you living that out for somebody else, and then doing, then other people don't get saved. You have to make the choice. And it comes with anything. Do you grow? Do you mature? Do you, do you let God develop you with other people, with his scripture? That's a choice that you make. You have to choose that. You have to say to yourself, I will whatever, this, direction, ministry, whatever the case is. So we're going to do the best we can this year to give you as many opportunities, as much structure and framework to do what God has told you to do. But at the end of the day, and here's where the, the big one is, uh, there's going to be some of these where we do all church, where we literally, to, to visualize, you know, I'm going to grab hands with you and we're going to go do something. But a lot of this also is going to be just trying to give you an idea or a framework or some development it helps you do it. It helps you make a decision. I can do this. Like the life groups. I'm going to talk about that more in a, in a few weeks. But the basic idea of the life groups, we've got two sides. This is kind of the way we're looking at it. There's a bunch of different options here, but I'm going to give it two basic ideas. One is life groups to unsaved people. You just saying to a couple of neighbors, maybe a coworker, hey, let's get together once a month. And let's just uh, let's have dinner at my house and uh, just, let's just do life together. And let that evolve into... Um, spiritual relationship, connection, questions, conversations, something like that. The other side of that is um, small groups that you're not starting, but that you're part of that are connected, uh, connecting you to other people that could help do ministry. Maybe you start one of those too, but, but connecting. There's built around specific need, okay? This is something that I think I need to be a part of or I can help others with. And again, I'll go into more detail of that later. So, uh, taking the gospel to our communities, uh, let me give you some uh, examples of outreaches, some things that we're going to do. This is one small part of a bigger picture. Now, to me, it's, a, it's an important one, but this is just one of the things that we're going to try to do. We've already been talking this year. Um, Paul and Aiden and I have been talking about uh, the deaf community and what this looks like in reaching the deaf community. We have, with the gospel, we have the interpreters, um, we have, wave, wave at us, interpreter. <laughs> I just, I don't know, how does that, okay, so, um, so we have our interpreters, we have the class during, the life group during first service, we have the structure of all of this already intact, 
but we're not actually reaching the deaf community for Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, our goal is not to bring the deaf community from other churches to Church of Briargate or just invite people to Church of Briargate. Oh, that's not bad. But again, remember, our goal is not to just get deaf people to Church of Briargate. Our goal is to get deaf people to know Jesus. Okay? And this is a small demographic that is actually all encompassed within itself. If you look at it, all the different demographics that can be included in our church, this will be the easiest to actually reach and facilitate, not necessarily reach, but potentially reach and facilitate because we've got a structure system already built around that entire demographic. Right? There's a lot of other demographics throughout our church, young parents, older, retired people, um, all kinds of different uh, demographics that we don't have as much structure and everything already built as we do for the deaf community. Well, well, some of the reaching and outreach mentality this year is going to be taking different groups within our church and saying, how can we reach people that fit that kind of demographic? Not invite them just to church, although that's good. We, we don't want to ever say don't do that because that's a starting point. That's an open door, right? But we're actually going to go out and try to connect and, and look at just the deaf community. We've already got some ideas of how we're going to do that. We've got a, a, a dinner or something coming up soon where we're going to try to um, not, it's not just going to be Paul and Aiden in my ideas, but it's going to be some of our interpreters and some of our deaf community are saying, let's, let's help with the ideas. This is how we're going to do this. We've already got some ideas how we're going to do some things. Where we actually take the gospel to somebody. Okay? That's, that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. Like all church opportunities. Here's, here's some more. And, and again, we're gonna, we've got a, a lot of these. These are just a couple right here. Um, we're looking at the uh, social cultural calendar of Colorado Springs and trying to come up with some things that we can do some all church stuff. For example, if somebody's having a 5K, can we show up and do something that will help somebody uh, know Jesus Christ, invite them to church, do something that will eventually get them to know Jesus loves them, has got a plan for their life? And that may be actually active evangelism, or it may be more passive, like just handing out a water bottle to somebody with the church name on it or something. Um, the rodeo that walks down through, the, the cow roundup that walks through downtown Colorado Springs, how can we do, like, take water bottles? I was thinking we could uh, fashion cow pies and put the name of Jesus on the cow pies and hand those out or something, but I don't think that one got a lot of mileage. But, um, you know, something creative where we can take the gospel to somebody. Right? Wouldn't you love to see a cow patty with Church of Briargate stamp right in the middle of it? Doesn't that speak to you? So, <laughs> hey, Church of Briargate's number two. So... All right, the next thing, helping people find their personal direction in God. This is another thing we're trying to do is how can we help people figure out who God, how God has designed them, wired them? How can us being who we are help other people be who God designed them to be, right? It's very simple in, in uh, wording, but that becomes a lifelong challenge. How do we as a church help you as the body do this? Figure out who you are and help somebody else figure out who they are. Even if it's just small parts of, of the bigger picture of that, okay? Um, the, the last part is enabling people to journey with others toward the Lord. And this is where the life groups come in, that we're connecting, we're building relationships that will ho hopefully lead to evangelism. Um, life groups that are for the lost, life groups that are to help specific needs. Um, one of the life groups that we have here right now is uh, for married couples on Sunday night. Um, the um, Floreses do a great job with that. They, they give up an entire... Sunday night, uh, to just say, hey, how can we do that? Another one is to, for blended families. That's a reality. We need to figure out how to help blended families 
you know, not kill each other, things like that. And so how can we help do that? That's, that's what we're trying to get to, right? And so those are the kind of things that we got. And then I'm going to unfold this a little bit through the, through the next few minutes, is that we also need to build our building. We, in two weeks, we will have the annexation finalized. It will be done, finished. This is three years of trying to get this done, and finally it's done in two weeks. And so with that, the only thing that we have to do now is raise money, and then we can build the building. And so uh, th- this is, this, we're going to put emphasis on this this year and a lot, and I'll, I'll explain that again. So let's go to Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1. We spent quite a few months on Wednesday nights looking at the book of Nehemiah, breaking it down, looking at stuff. A lot of good stuff in the book of Nehemiah. In fact, just amazing stuff on a personal level that you can see God can speak this to me and God can do these things in my life. And So here's some of the things. I'm going to just go over a few things, but let's read this, and here's some of the things that we can gain from this. Verse 1 of Nehemiah chapter 2. Early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I'd never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. Parenthetical statement here. The reason he's terrified is because he could be killed for being sad in the king's presence. Kings are like that. Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to God of heaven, that's always a good thing before you start something controversial, right? With a prayer to God of heaven, good job, Nehemiah. I replied, if it please the king, if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Now, again, quickly, I used some scripture out of Nehemiah a few months ago um, in, the, in the weekend, but here's a little bit of the history. They, they, Daniel had been under uh, occupation. Daniel was a slave under the Babylonians, right? Remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were slaves on the Babylonians. The Babylonians were invaded by the Medes and Persians. This is the Medes and Persians that we're talking about, okay? Um, so about 70 years before this moment happens, the Israelites were now part of the, the Medes and Persians, the Persian Empire, and now we see, and, and at that time frame, the Persians said, you can go back to Israel if you want to, or you can stay as slaves to us. And a lot of them, most of them, chose to stay to be slaves uh, in the Persian Empire. You say, why would they choose that? Because they were treated very well. They had food, they had everything they needed, they lived well, and so many of them stayed to be slaves. Some of them went back to Israel, uh, Jerusalem, and they rebuilt the temple and began to worship God. But the walls were still torn down, and so they were constantly being harassed, and they couldn't worship God comfortably and freely because there was, there was, a, there was always uh, raiding parties and attacking and things like that. So now Nehemiah says, I want to go back to my, my home people, back to my home, and I want to rebuild the walls so that we can worship God properly. And explains that. He doesn't say that right there. But that's what you see over, over the rest of the book is the reason they're doing this is so that they can worship God. They're building a physical something to enable a spiritual something. And that's where we see not only is this a, a, there's a duality going on in this story, but there's the same thing in, in our existence right now when we're trying to build our building is we're trying to do something physical that will enable us to do things that are spiritual. And it will enable them more, uh, more comfortable and easier. We, we struggle around here with our facilities. We struggle all the time. We even see this in some of our, our issues with attendance. We go up, things get uh, too tight and packed in here, 
people go down. Now, I don't know if anybody walks in, because I have plenty of room up here, but I don't know if anybody walks in, sits down beside somebody and says, I'm not coming back. But statistically, we do know that that happens. That is, that is a, a, a very common statistic. You get about 60% full in the sanctuary, and people start dropping off. Okay? All you have to do is go around here on a Wednesday night. Uh, go downstairs during the services and see the kids and all the stuff that's going on. The Wednesday nights are, are horrendous uh, down there. There's, we just don't have room. The things that we try to do during the week, we don't have room. A lot of different groups use our church. There are ministries that we wanted to try to start. There are services. There are outreach things that, we've, that we wanted to do. A good example was this last Sunday night for the missions banquet. If we grow any more people at all in the banquet, which we know we're going to, we can't fit it in this room anymore. There was a lot of this whole entire room was full. Every single inch had tables, chairs, little kids' tables at the back, everything, and we couldn't fit any more people in here. In fact, we were discussing this. How do we, get, how do we move tables, change tables, maybe go from the round to square and, and make everybody a lot more uncomfortable, and how can we do that? Because we can't fit what we're doing in this building. We can always add another service. That's the simplest thing we can do. From logistics, it's not so simple. Because now you need worship teams, you need sound people, you need greeters, you need coffee shops, you need ushers. You need, there's a lot of stuff that goes on with this. But we've got to do something. We've just got to do something. And so we want to build something physically that will help us accomplish stuff that we're trying to do spiritually. And so the, the next step as we're doing these outreaches and things like this, the next step is we have got to put a lot more attention to getting this building. Now that the annexation's done, we just got to get the money and let's build this. The, 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 the vision of us trying to reach people is going to demand this on so many different levels. Some other things I was thinking about, this vision, <clears throat> this vision in Nehemiah's time transcended their lives. It, it stayed around long after Nehemiah was dead and gone. Um, all the things that we're trying to do with outreach will last eternally. The things we're trying to do physically with the building will last many more years than any of us in this room. God's a pretty big God, and he can do things that have eternal or very, very long-term results just just from obedience of a group of people at one specific time in history. And that's what we see with Nehemiah. The vision also glorified God through humanity. That God showed he could do something through people. I love that about what God does. And that God would use them. That's another part of this, is that God would use them specifically. And this is where um, uh, this is where sometimes I think we, we, we miss an opportunity for God to do something. I, I had a guy 15 years ago we were talking about building and doing some things in the church where I was pastoring, and, and he, he said some, I said something about, wouldn't it be nice if somebody just walked up and handed us a million dollars? Well, let's take right now, and I'll get to the detailed numbers on this, but we, we need two million to raise two million. I'll explain all that in a second. But let's say somebody just walked up right now to our church and just handed us two million. I'm not going to say no under any stretch of the imagination. I will do a little happy dance for a long time, but... At the same time, I really believe long-term, it is better for us as a body to do this individually, collectively as individuals, and see God do this through us than some outside source that maybe we, ha it's, it's almost intangible that, that we can't, we just see the results of money. When you put your hand to something and you do this, it, it has a, a, a value in your life and your spiritual journey that can't be uh, matched by anything else, that you actually did this, that you are part of this. There's a very important spiritual part, a walk to this. Now, again, if uh, you know a millionaire, have them come and give us the money, and we'll, I'll make a nice sermon about how that's cool too. But, 
But at the same time, guys, that God uses you. When the, when the walls of Jerusalem were finally done, they realized that God had done this through them. That's huge. Okay? So, uh, with all of that said, I want to... Um, Let's show the building promo, and then I'll explain a little bit after it's over. Go ahead. So you will begin to see a video like this every month. One, one week in a month, we're going to show a video that has some kind of information to it, where we're at financially. We probably won't do that every week, but we'll, we'll let you know occasionally where we are financially with this, where we are with uh, different kind of plans, any kind of city stuff. And we're just going to keep you updated. We're going to do that once a month now. Um, we're, we're going to encourage you, uh, push you a little bit to try to contribute to the building. How can we do this? Um, the, the numbers that you saw in there, let me explain those. We, we realized quite a few years ago when we first began to talk about this, we realized that um, uh, we, we need to build what was this going to look like. We drew the plans. The plans are right outside the corner of that wall right there on the wall. You can see them. That's what she was videoing. You can see the, how big the building is, what all this stuff is. We realized this is going to be about a $3 million building. We, we know we can finance a million and a half. Uh, that's what we're paying right now on our existing building. So we know we can do that, and so at that particular time, when we finally voted this, when I first got here, we owed about $650,000 on the, our existing property and building. Uh, three years ago, when we voted, or three and a half, whenever we actually did the voting and all that kind of stuff, we owed around 500, a little bit more than 500,000, and we recognized that we can finance a million and a half, that leaves a million and a half that we need to raise, and you add that 500,000 of the debt to it, and that puts it at 200, 2 million, that we need to raise cash, okay? Now, uh, as of December 31st, we owe 402000 on this. That means by the end of January, we owe less than 400000 which is a pretty amazing thing, really. I mean, we're paying this thing down very quickly. Now, with that said, we're not changing our numbers. We're still going to go with the 500000 added to the million and a half. But the more that decreases, it comes to a point where that's zero, then we literally only have to raise $100 uh, million and a half. So we're just keeping it at two million right now because we know building things fluctuate, all kinds of stuff will change, and we know if we shoot for that two million, it's going to be uh, better for us long term. So we're going to raise two million, and we've got about a hundred thousand plus in the building fund right now. That's where we are. So that's why we're going to start putting attention to this. We're going to uh, really focus on raising the money, doing some of this kind of stuff uh, quite a bit in the near future, and you'll be updated regularly, which. We haven't really done before, but we're going to be doing that in the near future with all of this. Okay, now, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished, just 52 days after we had begun. Now, this means when they'd begun to actually lay the rocks. There was quite a bit of time before Nehemiah's getting ready, putting materials together, and then he builds the wall, and then it takes a little bit after the wall is built 
to have the gates hung and all those kind of things. But basically, um, you know, a few years in the whole process, start to finish, but 52 days actually working on the wall. That's pretty amazing. When our enemies and surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized, this is a very important sentence, they realized this work had been done with the help of our God. They did it, but God helped them. This is a supernatural endeavor done through physical hands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. The physicalness of who you are. And God will anoint that and make things happen. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 1. All the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So on October 8th, Ezra the priest brought the book of law before the assembly which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud. So the next time you think that I'm long-winded, did you hear that? He, he read the book of law from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All people, people listened closely to the book of the law. Verse 6, Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, Amen, Amen, as they lifted their hands. Then... Them Old Testament people were even kind of Pentecostal. They lifted their hands. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord God with their faces to the ground. Do you realize that they built a physical wall to enable a spiritual thing? They built the wall so they could have this moment where people weren't raiding and, and stealing and coming in and attacking all this stuff. They built the wall so they could worship God. And then we see where that's what they were doing. They got to finalize this by worshiping God. That was the intent in the first place. And so we see where we have this um, opportunity here at Church of Briargate. We're, we're, we're going to do this thing. I don't know how long it's going to take, but we're just going to keep working at it until we get it done. And we figure out space stuff in the interim. That's, how, that's what we've been doing. And so that's, that's the plan that we have. And that's now over February 6th and February 17th, I'm going to give you a lot more. This is more of the physical side of this, the building. And we're going to give you all of the, the actual initiatives of how we're going to do the outreach and all this stuff. But the reason I'm talking about this first is because as we do these other things, we need to figure out how to facilitate the growth and that kind of thing. As I've mentioned a, a, a little bit, but to go over the details, so we're going to be reaching more. This is just one area. We've got a lot, but we're going to be reaching more into the deaf community in Colorado Springs and trying to see how to get the deaf community to know Jesus Christ. Okay, let's say that in this year, 20 20 deaf people start coming to Church of Briargate, get saved, give their heart to the Lord, and start attending Church of Briargate. Okay? That's one element. That's one small piece of all of the things that we're going to be doing. But that's already that many people potentially, and I think it's, it could be much more than that, but that many people that are added to all of our facilities, the seats here, foyer, bathrooms, all of the stuff. You guys understand that our bathrooms are our weakest point, right? Right? Do I have to, do I have to restate that? Right? We got a, a, okay, so, yeah, I'll just move on. But, uh, but we, we, I mean, when, when we're using all the facilities, so what happens if at the same time the youth department has 20 more teenagers in this year coming? Now we've already got 40 new people that are part of church at Briargate in this facility. Facilities haven't changed. As we continue to try to reach different people and connect in different demographics throughout our city and, and representing the church here, guys, we have to be aggressive about the building. We have to be. 
And so with that, to understand that it's because that God really wants to do something. God wants to save people. I don't really think in the big picture of things that, that God is sitting up in heaven saying, I wish there was another building on that earth. But we also know that he is saying there needs to be people that know me. And we see going all the way back in the Old Testament, getting people in his house and worshiping him is a big deal. It's a really big deal. Why don't you stand with me? <clears throat> so here's, here's what I would like to do with this, if at all possible. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to state the uh, opportunity in the framework, and I want you to process what this looks like. Because some of the things that we're going to be doing over the next few weeks uh, is really trying to coerce you, push you, almost manipulate you, convict you, make you feel guilty, whatever we can to get you started in ministry. And I've, and I've had uh, people over time say, well, you shouldn't do it that way. You shouldn't like try to guilt people in. I'm standing here right now because people pushed me and made me do things at different times I did not want to. But because of leadership, because of different things, I did it. I didn't want to do everything that I've done over the past to push me toward ministry and things. But other people were saying, you need to do this. You've got to do this. And so we're going to try and do the best we can to push you more than you've been pushed before. Okay? We're going to try to do that. And we hope that you respond and not hate the pastors around. It's not really me. It's more them. But um, that you don't hate them in the process. So the, the, the reality of this, guys, is God's got some big stuff planned for you. He does. He does. Just jump into it. We're going to try to do the best we can to facilitate that. So here's what we want to do right now as we're praying about this, to say, God, what, what, what do you want to do with me? Stir my heart. Open my heart up that I can start to see or hear or understand or maybe see people at work different or my neighbors different or something so that even as we get ready to lay out some of the plan that God's already doing something in you that's bigger or broader or, or maybe even outside the scope of some of what we're going to look at, to say, God, use me. I want to be used. I want to, be, I want to do something for you. I want to, I want to see somebody's life changed right? Let's pray. God, we, we bring this to you. Lord, everything I've talked about are, are plans, are stuff. But Lord, we want it to translate, not just words on a page or ideas in the air, but Lord, we want this to translate into somebody getting saved. That somebody gets life and freedom. Somebody gets grace and mercy extended to them. That somebody feels your love, maybe for the first time ever. Lord, they feel the weight of sin taken off their life. Lord Jesus, we want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of, of telling somebody about you this year that they, they see that, they get that. And I pray that for every one of us in here, we can be a, a part of this and we can be a part of telling somebody about you. Lord, give us wisdom over these next few weeks as we finalize some of these pieces of this, that Lord, it'll truly be from you, ordained by you, and God directed by you so that we can really do stuff. So we can really see a life changed. God, and I do pray for our building, too. I pray that you stir our hearts to do something about this, to give, contribute financially. Lord, we commit all of this to you. We commit all this to you. Keep your head bowed. I'm going to give you a chance to just commit yourself to the Lord. And this is, obviously, this is why we do what we do. This, this kind of moment right here, is everything is built upon this. But if you're, if you're saying right now, I, I really need Jesus. I really need Jesus to be in charge of my life. I need him to be my God. I need him to be my Savior. I need to serve him. I'm not serving however you process this, however you're answering this for yourself. But I need Jesus to be God over my life. 
I'm not going to ask you to come down front or anything like that. We're all just going to pray as a group, in fact. But if that's you and you say, I need Jesus to be in charge of me, I'd like you to raise your hand real quick. We want to pray together. All right. Okay. All right. Quite a few hands actually going up. So that's good. That's exciting. That's what, that's what we want to see is you saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. So let's all pray together. We're going to make this real simple, but let's all pray together. And you do the best you can to, to make this your, specifically if you raised your hand, please do the best you can to make this your prayer. But let's pray together. Lord God, I need you as God over my life. I ask you to forgive me of anything I've ever done that's not pleasing to you. Wash me clean and make me right with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Lord God, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for your love for us. Lord, help us to really internalize that it really is this easy if we're serious with you. So, Lord, help us to be serious with you. And then just wash us. And we thank you so much. We thank you that you've given everything to us, that you provided everything to us. In Jesus' name. God, take us from here just, just excited and motivated just to open our heart and let you speak. Open our heart and let you guide us and lead us. Show us some stuff. And we thank you for that. Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget tonight at my house, please let me know if you're coming. Everybody's invited, but just let us know. Before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you an opportunity to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Do the best you can. Tell somebody about Jesus, and God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. Shake somebody's hand. Hug their neck if you're so inclined. And uh, we will see you tonight, or we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your day.